Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. Former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also, a two time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in to episode 209 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland. And whether you're listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast forum, we appreciate you spending your time with us. If you're on one of the forums, hit that subscribe button if you have not already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you could be so kind to leave us a five-star rating and written review to help us get our name out there and continue to reach more people. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. Whether live bets during games or futures for who you think will win a championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your betting needs. Visit betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to join and receive 50% off your welcome bonus from your first deposit and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And guys, I'll get right into it. We have plenty to cover in today's show. Here are a few moments. Uh, yours truly will speak with rivals national recruiting analyst Ryan Wright discussing some of Arkansas's 2022 commits that we have currently and also the first two commits for 2023 that gave their pledge over this past weekend. And so in the final segment, we continue to preview Arkansas high school football with KTV's Steve Sullivan, Mr. Friday night as Porter and Kevin will talk with him. So we'll get right into it again. Appreciate all of you joining us and here is rivals.com's Ryan Wright. We go now to the Workman's Travel Center hotline, and on the other end is Rivals National Recruiting Analyst Ryan Wright. And Ryan, it's great timing considering over this past weekend that Arkansas got its first two commits for 2023, which I know we'll get into, but really appreciate you taking, taking some time out to come on with us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Excited to talk uh, football and talk recruiting. And I know you recently moved from the West to the East Coast. You went from Cali to Florida. So welcome to SEC country. I'm sure you've been welcomed plenty of times. And uh, I want to, uh, for those that may not uh, know much about your work, I want to give it's give you some time to get a quick breakdown of your career as a, a recruiting analyst and uh, what's led you to where you are now. Yeah, so I started writing for the Bleacher Report uh, probably a decade or so ago now. Um, and then uh, with that, trying to writing about Portugal and recruiting. And then with that, there's always gaps uh, trying to find information out about recruits and stuff like that. And a lot of the top recruits got so much attention, but there are a lot of recruits that were falling through the cracks. Once you get outside the top 250, stuff like that, and some fantastic three-star under the radar kids that weren't really getting national attention. So then I started 
recruiting news guru back on. And the focus was, again, trying to bring that attention. Interviewed five and four-star kids, but really focusing on bringing attention to recruiting across the nation. And that has a segue into a rule with rivals. Um, so, you know, again, the attention's on the five and four-star, but always love talking about um, the three stars and bringing attention their way. And as I mentioned, Arkansas got its first two commits for the 2023 class this past weekend. Per rivals, the current 23 rankings, and I stress currently very hard because this is going to change many, many times, probably from even the time we're recording until this drops. But as it stands right now, Arkansas is seventh in the nation, fourth in the SEC, and added a good bit to the tight end room being that both are tight ends, those two commits for 23. It's clear from the last two fall practices in particular with all of the experiments we've had going on at tight in the staff is putting a heavy emphasis on that position group you've already got two committed for the 22 class in Dax Courtney and Tyrus Washington but I want to start with Shamar Easter homegrown kid out of Ashdown Arkansas right down there on the Texas Arkansas Louisiana line 6'5 214 per rivals he is 86 in the country and fifth ranked tight end he committed on Friday and then Saturday night just over 24 hours later Jaden Ham, another tight end out of Eudora Kansas 66215. So these guys are pretty similar in stature. And Rivals has Jaden Ham currently as the 19th tight end and the third prospect in Kansas. R- Ryan, what kind of start is this? I know Arkansas got Dow Loggins as their new tight ends coach, moved Cody Kennedy over to the offensive line coach. But man, I'll tell you, getting Tyrus Washington and these two guys for 23, that's a that's a heck of a start right there. Yeah, so starting with Shamar, um, so uh, I have interviewed him and uh, love his his film, love his tape. He's crazy athletic, great wingspan, uh, comes straight, falling in passes, uh, goes off the line, goes to the outside, plays some receiver because of that wingspan. Great stiff arm, <laughs> um, as one might imagine. You know, a guy six five, I don't know what his wingspan is. It's, it's that of a six nine player or something like that. But can get into the chest on the face mask of a smaller defensive backs and, and keep them at bay. But once he has the ball in his hands, he just takes off. I believe he also plays basketball. And you can see that athleticism, that transfer from the, from the basketball court onto the field, you know, going up for balls and, and using his body, having great body control. So those are some great things. With him on the line, um, what I remember is you know, he was getting clean releases and, and just, you know, burning linebackers and safeties. And he does what he's supposed to do against 4A Arkansas competition and best dominating. Um, with Jaden, I have interviewed him a few times. Also another big guy, um, great target, um, two-way player for Eudora there in Kansas. Uh, a lot of offers. Um, really like him a lot um, as well. So, I mean, like you just said, great start <laughs> for uh, Arkansas getting those two guys. Um, and, you know, that's something that Arkansas has done really well in the past, regardless of whoever the head coach was, is recruit the tight end position very well. Talking with Ryan Wright, National Recruiting Analyst for Rivals. And Ryan, I want to go into the 22 class now, currently ranked 14th in the country per Rivals, 5th in the SEC. Now, Texas and OU are above the Razorbacks, and I won't count them quite. I know, I guess you guys aren't throwing them in as the SEC uh, members yet, since they're not really technically officially official. 
But I uh, just wanted to point that out there for any Texas and OU fans that might be listening. i got to clear that part up. But, again, Arkansas does sit right now at 14th in the country for 2022, and I want to focus on the running backs currently. So you've got James Joyner out of Little Rock Parkview. Parkview, has uh, they sent two guys to the Razorbacks in the 21 class and could possibly send one more in Jalen White. We'll see uh, where he ends up going. But you've got Rashad DeBinion out of Georgia and then, again, James Joyner out of Little Rock Parkview there. And so what kind of guys are we getting there? I know Rashad DeBinion has been one of those that's kind of – some have said he's been great. I know we had uh, Mike Farrell on a couple of months ago right after Rashad had committed, and he was very high on him for his all-around game. And James Joyner, he's pretty good out of the backfield too, but he is more of a just a ground-and-pound type of back. But what do you see in the Razorbacks getting these two guys in Rashad DeBinion and James Joyner? Well, I mean, that, that's an area that the Razorbacks truly have needed to focus on. Um, and I know that they've taken some hits and they haven't quite had that guy, which I'm you know, getting ahead of everything, but I'm really excited about uh, Robert Sanders to see what he can do. But back to the question with the Binion, um, the way I see him, I see him as a Anita Smith type from Texas A&M. He's kind of got that scat back, uh, can play in the slot some. Certainly it would be a great piece to be used uh, out of the backfield as a, as a receiving threat. I know he did some uh, wild catch stuff there with Cedar Grove as well. So it's definitely a uh, one cut and gone kind of guy. Deceptive speed, great, great cuts, jukes and, and moves and stuff like that. That's what I see uh, in him. With James, I think he's a little deceptive in, in what he does. And going against 6A, Arkansas West competition, He's uh, a good size back. He's, you know, prototypical SEC at 5'11", about 205. Um, he's got great balance and strength. He hits the hole, hits it hard, and he's gone. He follows his blockers again, not somebody that dances around and, and, and you know, whatever, lets the defense catch up with him. So, um, and he also can catch the ball in the backfield and kind of with the band. So, uh, I see him as being a Bristol guy. I believe James also joined, uh, ran for – over a thousand yards last season with Parkview. So both fantastic talents, two different types of back. You know, Dominion's a little bit smaller, um, but you know, you kind of have that thunder and lightning kind of mixed uh, with the two guys. And I want to focus on linebackers that we have. So currently there's three in the 22 class, and this has been a position that Razorback fans have been very skeptical of, and rightfully so, since about 2014, 2015. Now, last year you had two very reliable linebackers and Grant Morgan that had one of the best seasons within recent memory. Uh, I'd say probably about uh, maybe in the last 20, 25 years or longer than that in terms of just having a decorated season like he did. And then Bumper Pool, both of those guys did miss a game each with injury but were very, very effective nonetheless. And so you've got those two right there. But behind them, Hayden Henry has been shown that he can be relied upon at times. But then again, you never know with his injury history either. But behind them, it's very young. And you did load up a little bit there in the 21 class. I think they signed two out of two or three out of that class. I can't remember exactly. But right now you've got Jordan Crook out of Texas, Manny Powell, who is coming from Canton, Ohio, to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to go to Fayetteville High, and then Caden Henley just across uh, Fayetteville there into Springdale at Shiloh Christian. And so, Ryan, one thing that I've kind of gathered about all three of these guys is I feel that there is plenty of national recruiting analysts. I'm not speaking for you, but just some of the ones that I've heard that feel that all of these guys are a little bit under the radar. Caden Henley, 
I think is maybe like the third ranked linebacker in Arkansas. Um, Caden Turner is uh, who is committed to Indiana that goes to Fayetteville is actually ranked ahead of him. And then Jordan Crook, I've I've heard many say that across the boards he should be at least a four star. I think he's a pretty overwhelming three star at this point, a high ranked one at that. And then Manny Powell, that again comes from Canton, Ohio, going to be much closer, literally in the backyard of the University of Arkansas that many are high on up there so far of his playing career in the Big Ten country. And so what kind of guys are we getting in these linebackers, again, that some people say are quite underrated, but uh, what is your take on those three? Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with uh, Brooke and um, Caden. Um, so and then I, I have watched film on Powell. I don't know that I've seen enough on him, but against the run, he's very good. So I'll, I'll try to break the three down for everybody kind of in a digestible way. But with Crook at Duncanville, I see why Barry Odom likes him. He has a great nose for the ball, and he brings the thing in contact. Very good footwork, doesn't waste steps, and that closing speed is fantastic. Um, what I remember from watching film on him, the kind of Duncanville ran a 4-2-ish kind of scheme, maybe had a 4-3 going, but he was – so they ran two interior and maybe had an outside linebacker depending on the scheme they were going against. But I see him as more of an outside linebacker because of his size at six foot two twenty-five. And that works for because he does show the ability to cover, get back into the zone. With Powell, you know, 6'2, 225 in that area. Um, he is a very solid linebacker. He makes the plays in front of him. You can see sometimes on game film, guys making it to the side or <laughs> down the field or whatever, but he keeps everything in front of him. Also, great closing speed and a hard hitter. He's somebody when I watch, I see great football instincts and it looks like he spends a lot of time in film study and that translates onto the field and he's dissecting plays because a snap of the ball, he knows where the ball's going and, and he's good. It's fantastic. Caden is a guy that I've talked to a lot. I do like him a lot, just all around. Great athlete. He is, to me, more of that traditional SEC, Sam and Mike. Uh, very active. I think he was close to 160 tackles uh, last year with Shadow Christian. He can cover also. He's a hard hitter. <laughs> I mean, he's he's that monster in the box. And so I think all three of them um, are very good um, as far as being undervalued. So there is the, I think Arkansas as an entire state as a whole, that there are players are undervalued. So with somebody making that, that argument with Caden, um, I'm right there with it. I think maybe, if I remember correctly, was the ninth-rated overall inside linebacker by rivals in the nation, which is very, very good. I mean, he's a top-ten player at his position in the country, and I I see that in him. So if one wanted to make the argument that he deserves to be a four-star, I could see that. (laughs) So. Yeah, I can definitely speak for Caden. I've, I've only seen him in person, but watching him in the state title game last year, not just on defense, but offensively as well. He, he is an all-around player, and I think that uh, the Razorback defense is, is getting a gem with that one, no question. And, Ryan, you talked about earlier with uh, the way that Arkansas has always been able to recruit tight ends. And we know that Sam Pittman, throughout his 30-plus year career, has been a fantastic recruiter, mainly as an offensive line coach. And just with his connections, just throughout your career, 
just I want you to talk about him as a recruiter and just what he's been able to do, not just with the region that he's been in. For instance, being at Tennessee, being at Georgia, being at Arkansas, three different SEC schools. I think those are the three that he's been at. But he has just seemed to develop relationships all across the country. You see us recruiting kids out of occasionally out of the West Coast in Big Ten country, definitely SEC country, and he's really gained a lot of respect from the coaches in Georgia from his time at the university there. But just talk about from your perspective as a recruiting analyst what Sam Pittman is and why he is so good at recruiting in particular. Yeah, I mean, he just seems to have that easygoing nature that is it's easy to talk to him. Um, yeah, if somebody likes him as a – if you were like an uncle or, or a grandfather, depending on some of these kids. But just somebody that's really easygoing you can talk to and, and relate to. With him as as a recruiter, yeah, he does has done a good job of getting these guys, most of them are dollars, and just will blow guys off the line, certainly when he was with BLM and, and recruiting hard for for Arkansas then. Um was was getting those guys like Chiratola, um, and I forget all the guys that, that he had recruited then, but you know, those guys were were just dominating the trenches for Arkansas, and that's why they had um, those winning seasons. So he does a great job of identifying, making kids feel at ease and and wanting to come to play wherever he's at. And I think he'll continue to do that. And he's got quite a few young, I think at least three or four guys that are around early 30s age to the mid-20s range like Cody Kennedy and I think Jermail Ashley, defensive line coach, is like somewhere in his late 20s. But where I'm getting at is he's got a a lot of young coaches on the staff that were not playing college football too terribly long ago. And so – Talk about, I want to mention Cody Kennedy in particular, who's only about 25, 26, Jimmy Smith in that 30 range, and then Jameel Ashley that I just mentioned. You know, talk about the importance of, yes, you want to make sure that you have guys who can coach, who can develop, and all that. But in in terms of recruiting, staying on that with, with how Sam is at it, I want you to mention just about these guys that he has on staff, some of his younger assistants, and how big of a part that probably plays. Certainly when it comes – to talking to different kids and the kids, the recruits can relate to the coaches, be able to talk to them and, and see themselves uh, in the coaches. Um, and so much of what happens, and I'm sure the, the fans that are listening hear this all the time, but there's only, you know, 12 games during the season. Uh, if you're lucky, you get a you know, postseason game, a bowl game. And, and everything else besides practice, and then you get into your personal life is having that relationship with your position coach and the position coach needing to be able to communicate effectively with the kids and develop that, that bond because it goes so much, like you were saying, beyond just being able to coach a kid up at his position and make him better, but make him better at, as a person off the field and somebody to go to, you're having trouble with classes, having trouble at home somebody that you feel can understand what you're going through on a multitude of levels and not to be redundant. But it is important, I believe, to have those kids that or those people on staff that can identify with the kids in that in that way. And not to go on an ageism route, but you know, there are older coaches that can do the same thing. But but I do think that it plays a big part, certainly having energy on the staff um, with the younger guys that and those guys as coaches ready to make their mark in, in continuing on wherever it may lead. So I think they have at Arkansas a great mix um, of coaches that um, are well-established, like Barry Odom and the younger guys that like you just mentioned, that who knows where their career will take them. 
We've been talking with Ryan Wright, Rivals National Recruiting Analyst. And Ryan, appreciate all your insight up to this point. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, the 23 class is just getting started. The 22 class is not done yet, even though they have uh, got quite a few pledges to their credit. And uh, so definitely hope to talk to you on down the road as uh, this thing continues to develop more. Yeah, Kyle, I appreciate your time today. Anytime. Um, Love to talk about uh, football. We're up against a break. Up next, Porter and Kevin talk with KATV's Steve Sullivan. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 209 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm Kevin Bohannon, joined by my man, Porter Hayes. Porter, how's it going this evening? Oh, it's going good. Uh, Finally got some rain and other than it being hot and all that stuff. Football season's getting closer, closer. I mean, we've got high school games going on tonight. Ozark has got Mall Mill on a little scrimmage on Friday, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that and getting everything kicked off. Yeah, Kyle's out at Bryant in PA tonight, the, the start of the Anthony Lucas era. And so it, it's a fun, exciting week of scrimmage games across the state. Uh, next week start, starts the real stuff with week zero. And I uh, want to let you know that our segment tonight is presented by Bet Online Sports. College football is right around the season, so head to betonline.com and place your bets for college football this season. Our guest is known around the state, around the nation, as uh, one of the best in the business. We want to welcome Steve Sullivan, Sully, from KATV Channel 7. Welcome, Sully. Hey, great to be along with you. Ready for football season to crank up, gentlemen. That's right. And you, it's about to get real busy for you, I imagine. Yeah, it is. And uh, I like this time of year. And it actually kicks off next Tuesday. We got Coach Pittman coming to the Little Rock Touchdown Club. And that's always a, a great event. Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing everyone in person this year. Uh, it, the club, actually, it's, it's, it didn't even do virtual last year because being there is so much part of the experience for all the folks that go there that uh, they didn't even try to go virtual last year. And what year are you going into? Uh, too many, uh, <laughs> uh, started in 85 over at Fort Smith. Um, and, man. yeah, well, I started 82 in Fort Smith, then 85 came to, uh, KRK and then 98, uh, made the move to channel seven. Well, so, I told, uh, Kevin, before we started recording, I was going to make you feel old. Um, I remember I was in fourth grade at Arnold drive elementary. My dad got shipped, uh, from Fort Chaffee to the Little Rock Air Force Base, and you come to the school and actually played catch with us. So that would have had to have been 90, 91 when, when that all went down. 
Yes, yes, yes. That would be that would be uh, probably the right year. You got a better memory than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I was telling Porter the first time I met you was in '93. Of course, you know, ball boy for my dad at McClellan, and I was on the Friday Night Heroes for all the academic and football stuff that I had done. <laughs> yeah, well, McClellan had a great run there, and uh, oh yeah, man, dad, you guys are regulars at the games at the Little Rock area games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that 94 team went 13 and one lost to Pine Bluff in the final. Yep. That was part of Corey Coach Glover's. Yeah. Corey Nichols, Damian Land. Yeah. Corey had a phenomenal career. Was now he, his son plays for Bryant now. I think he's there. He may be their quarterback this year. I don't, I don't know which direction they decide to go, but uh, they had talked about playing him at quarterback. Yeah. That, that's one of the things we were going to get to here in a little bit is, you know, all four of those top teams in the 7A Central have to replace their quarterbacks this year. So that's definitely going to be interesting. I want to talk to you about the Razorbacks and get your thoughts on a few things. Um, what, what are your thoughts so far just as a whole? Well, you know, you know, you go position by position. You'd only glean so much from <laughs> – they don't let you watch anything. Right. It's very – It's. I just find it odd that you can go to New England Patriots practice or Texans or Cowboys and watch the entire practice, but these college coaches, and it's not, not, not anything on Sam Pittman or Arkansas because no one allows you to watch practice, but – what you can glean from the coaches and the, the best thing I've gotten is from the offensive line coach tonight, Cody Kennedy. I love the guy. He's got a lot of energy and he was talking about, you know, they have so many starts returning in their room. They have five returning starters. They have, you know, backups that were there the year ago and so much experience, but he says they've struggled more this year uh, because of the talent on the defensive line. And we've heard the defensive line is supposed to be better. But I guess the you know he really pointed out the new guys that came in. Yeah. He said Ridgeway is legitimate nose guard and means so much to that defense, and they better on the edge, and so that's really encouraging to, for me to come from him. When it's you know he watched those linemen go against the defense last year, and they're struggling more, and they're a year older, so that indicates, and from what you can guess that that without seeing them, you know, against another team is the fact that this defensive line should be better. Well, we did get to see one play. <clears throat> we got to see the guy get hit out of bounds and kind of clip Hunter Yurichik on the, <laughs> yes. in the face. And I'll tell you what, his comeback <clears throat> and his tweet about the motorcycle, <laughs> I, that's got to be one of the most epic tweets I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I don't. I think he probably regrets it now that he went there. <laughs> As athletic director, it's probably a little bit of a low blow, but you know, we in the state could appreciate it, and because um, it's really hard. I had I had trouble envisioning how, if you're on the sideline, you get hit by a cleat in the yeah. face. You know, and <laughs> I, I thought he was either ducking or um, I don't know what what happened, but you know, when you when you see the play, you know, it was a late hit by Catalan. Oh yeah, and, uh, mm -hmm. sent him cartwheeling over and uh your check was trying to block him and duck at the same time and it just caught the cleat in the face crazy crazy play gotta be one or the other um talking a little bit about kj jefferson how's this offense gonna look under him and how is it gonna change up with, with uh kendall browse yeah i'm a, i'm a little worried about the quarterback in, in the fact that you know they're banking on you know, when we're live, that his ability to run will make him a much more effective quarterback. And the fact that he hasn't been, you know, he wasn't lights out last Saturday, but what, what kind of worried me coming in? And I, I, I like the kid and I think he's, uh, you know, he's waited his turn. He's, 
you know, he hasn't barked at all. And he, he was so good against Missouri last year. But I, I was kind of just puzzled by the fact that he came in at, what, 247 pounds, and he wants to be yeah. at 234. And I'm putting myself in his shoes. If it's something I worked for, you know, my entire college career, and I know I'm going to be the starting quarterback, I would think I'd come in in the best shape of my life, you know, and, 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 you know, he may, and I don't know how he gained the weight and he may be able to shed the weight and maybe just, you know, water weight, but I was kind of troubled that he came in at like 247 and he wants to get down to 234. Yeah. It was interesting because I, I thought the same thing. I said, man, I, I've, I've been working for this weight. And it was kind of like when I was in El Dorado, uh, you know, Jason Evans graduates and you get ready, you're going to be a sophomore and you're going to take it by the reins. I just didn't get it. He just, he looked out of shape and we, we've seen quarterback. It reminded me of uh, quarterback Jamarcus Russell kind of, you know, when he reported to Raiders camp that one year, it was just, it was just, it was odd to me. And I, I'm glad you said that because we like to be kind of realistic on the show with everybody throwing out eight, nine, 10 wins. We, we kind of like to keep it real more than anybody else. So, I'm really glad you pointed that out. Yeah, but it, it may have no factor, and uh, I True. do love his I do love his confidence, and the, the, his teammates seem to believe in him. Um, but you know, uh, I I'm a little more concerned about you know with a running quarterback, you know how legitimate is the option behind him right now? Yeah, you know uh, Malik Hornsby is a a great runner. We know that has great running skills. But I've heard nothing from the coaches to indicate that he's made a lot of growth in throwing the ball. And when you have yeah. a quarterback, you're depending on running the ball. And he, even as big as he is, he could get hit, hit in the hand. Um, I mean, he could cut, suffer a freak injury. You're going to have to go to number two. And I just don't think a run first option, unless you're Matt Jones, is going to work in, in, in today's SEC. And, and back what we were talking about with, you know, KJ, do you think that might have anything to play with that there really wasn't much competition coming into this year? He, he kind of thought that, you know, the, the job's just kind of handed to me. I can show up and then lose the weight when I get there. You know, it's not that hunger like he knows he's coming into fall camp knowing he's got to, you know, actually fight and battle for a starting position. That's a great point. You look over at Arkansas State and the year Lane Hatcher had and – I mean, he's on every watch list. Uh, and he, you know, the other quarterback left because of him. And Butch Jones brings in the transfer from Florida State to compete with him. You know, and I, I really thought, judging from the two resumes, that Blackman would have been a better fit at Arkansas to compete with KJ Jefferson. Yep. Um, but, but you know. I trust them in the fact that they had so much confidence in Jefferson that they didn't even go for a, a, a anybody out of the portal. But, you know, you don't want to be in October and be nervous about the backup quarterback you're putting in if you have to use him. You know, you, you don't want your blood pressure going up or you, know, you, you want to be confident of the guy behind the guy. And, uh, and Jefferson was certainly ready to go last year. So, you know, it, and that's the good thing. All we have to really go on for a whole game is that Missouri game, and he played really well in that game. And let's talk a little bit about the backfield mate. Okay, we know we got Traylon Smith and what he offers. I think he's, he's kind of a version of Michael Smith with a little bit more uh, receiving tool, uh, is, is I'd like to see it right now. I think he's, he's that good. Uh, 
but what comes after him? You got some freshmen on campus that have done really well. Rocket Sanders has stood out. But who who do you think uh, splits the carries with, with Smith this year? I think probably Rocket Sanders does. Oglesby gets some, and you know you never know with KJ Hammonds. Uh, I mean Hammonds, uh, he he. I mean, I, I, you know, per carry in his career, he probably averages per per touch of the football. He probably averages more than anybody on the roster. But he's got so few touches, and you hope, you know, this is the year that Hammonds. You know, you know, explodes, but we, we we haven't heard anything that in the preseason. He's actually been splitting time between receiver and running back, and uh, yeah. it remains to be seen. I'm not as much worried about the running back spot because that's a spot where a first year player can make a difference, right? And um, and Smith, I mean, he he proved last year that you know he was a durable guy and um, far better than I ever anticipated. Just how important is the run game this year? With you know. KJ, you know, not having that experience as, you know, Felipe Franks did, you know, and they've had trouble running the ball in the past couple of years. So just how important is it that they establish that run, especially in this game coming up against Rice? Yeah, we got to show some separation. And, you know, and that's the thing you mentioned, Rice. Yeah, we don't know for sure where we're at yet. You know, we were better last year, but a year older doesn't necessarily mean a year better. But until we start separating from people like Rice, then I'll know we've taken a step as a program. And I think that's a huge game. Uh, and, you know, I was surprised really last year at how well we ran the ball against some teams like Auburn. We got down mm-hmm. against them. And I think we're going to be able to run the ball. And, you know, I, I do, I am surprised by Sam Pittman in a way that when he was hired, I just assumed our offensive coordinator would be a Jim Chaney type, a more mm-hmm. traditional offense. But he's made it clear, if you can't run, you're not going to be a quarterback on his team. And Landon Rogers was not a great high school quarterback at Parkview as far as uh, throwing the football, but he runs like Jamarcus Russell. He yeah, has he a does. strong arm. And I think they think, you know, he's, he's, got, the, good. he's got the arm and, he's, and he's, he, he can't teach his athletic ability and they can, they can work with that. But you look at all the quarterbacks in that quarterback room that they brought in, Lucas Coley, these are all kids that can run. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, really interested to see that. You've never seen a quarterback room that athletic. Uh, let's jump to the other side of the ball. Uh, a defense that showed flashes last year. Uh, we, we know the game against Ole Miss. I would be very surprised if Matt Corral coming out had another game like that this year against the Hogs in Oxford. Um and they showed the ability to get off the field at times, but it ended up coming to biting them uh, at the end. And we know how much Grant Morgan and Bumper Poole played, Catalan being the uh, headhunter that he is. He's already looked like he's in, in midseason form in some of the film that we've seen. But does this defense take the next step under Barry Odom this year? You know, did we – I think did we know last year how injured Bumper Poole was? You know, we knew Grant yeah. Morgan was playing with Broken like one rib. arm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, our, our linebackers were compromised. And I think this year at every position group, and one thing you do like on the defensive line, uh, you like when you bring in transfers that they compete for playing time or they're as, they're as good or better than what you had. And that's what's happening, I think. Yeah. With Ridgeway at nose guard and Trey Williams at defensive end, they've moved to the front of the line. So you've improved yourself. And I, and I think the one thing I, the one thing I want to see with recruiting, 
I, I want to see freshmen at least one a year, like a Catalan or Traylon Burks, guys that get on campus and they're better than what you have at that position. And that can happen at like receiver and, and potentially running back, you know, this year. We don't know. He's got three freshman receivers he says will play. And, and we don't know which one of those could pop this year and, and be our, our number two guy. And um, I just think when you're a great program, even look at Alabama, they have these freshmen that come in and play right away. And you're, yeah. if you're going to the front of the line at Alabama, that's saying something. And, and, you, <laughs> and if we step, if we're, if we're generally step, stepping up our recruiting, then some of these freshmen that you bring on campus, we need the Catalans. And I know Chad Morris didn't play him, but he, he's an elite. He was an elite freshman on campus and Traylon Burks, guys like that. Yeah, and so you brought up a great point, you know, the recruiting, because here in a couple of years, you're going to have two uh, two new brothers that come over and know you in Texas, and it's just going to make the conference just that much more tougher and to keep that recruiting. And if you want to get up to the middle of the pack and even to the top tier of your division, you're going to have to start recruiting and counting on these guys that you're not used to seeing these freshmen come in and contribute like Catalan. That you're, It's going to have to be expected, so – uh, the good thing I see about it is at least they got a couple of years to adjust to that new conference and getting their players that Sam Pittman wants and him and, you know, barring he gets Odom and Bryles to stay. You know, I think that's going to be key to getting this program to build up. Oh, definitely. And I think the fact too is, you know, I think that's why he has a quarterback that, that must run because he knows Arkansas isn't going to, year in and year out, recruit the defensive linemen to match up with Alabama, LSU, Georgia, you know, I mean, so you're, you have to have the added advantage of having a quarterback that can run. And I, I think Sam Pittman knew that going in, having coached at Arkansas before. And, and what's going on in the state right now is good short term for him as far as the, the, the elite linemen. We've never had a set of linemen in the same class like Chambly, Devalier, and the kid at Robinson. I mean, these are three elite linemen. But you're, we're not seeing, and this is going to be a, a bad trend that's developing for football, you're seeing very few skilled players come out because most of our best athletes are playing basketball only. I mean, Darian Ford at Magnolia, normally in a town that size with an athlete like that, he would have been a two-sport guy, but he's been a basketball yep. only guy. And, and he would have blown up in football. And he has in basketball too, but summer basketball is so good. And the way they take care of those kids in AAU basketball and they get shoes and they travel that uh, it's taken potentially a lot of uh, uh, football athletes off the, off the plane, off the field or, you know, that potentially we could get to play football at Arkansas. And, uh, you know, this year's all right with linemen, but it's really hard to, you know, year in a year out to get, I think, moving forward to get a lot of players from in-state. And I'm glad you brought that up because you you, you noticed the, the last time uh, somebody from Little Rock School District uh, went up there, and it seems like some of the kids in northwest Arkansas find a home, Satagna going to Oregon, um, yeah. Turner, the linebacker from Fayetteville, going to Indiana. Are they not just able to keep them in their backyard? I know some of those kids weren't recruited but they're getting as many as they're losing it seems up there 
Yeah, I think Coach Pittman's going to do a better job of that and uh, his relationship with high school coaches. I was talking to Coach Bolding over Parkview today and he said he spent three hours with Coach Pittman talking. Wow. You know, and, you know, he doesn't agree on it. You know, he wants he want, he wants a, them to recruit one kid on his team that they, they're not recruiting. And he said Pittman not said not right now. And uh, but he, <laughs> he just he, I think his relationship with coaches and um, uh, and just his history in recruiting, he's he's genuine. And I don't think that's a, a trait that's that common among power five head coaches and uh, <laughs> and I think that's what made him such a great recruiter at Georgia and I think it'll just translate to Arkansas and Sully I wanted to add something to what we were talking about earlier you're talking about the two sport athletes that mainly played basketball how much do you think this NIL is going to affect that because with, with social media and these kids playing AAU ball and basketball blowing up do you think that's going to keep more kids playing basketball that maybe start trying to play football? Do you, I mean, where do you think that's going to have an effect? Okay. Um, as far as I, I – you kind of cut out there at the end. Okay. My, said my, it says my internet's connection is unstable or someone's is. But, but uh, uh, the NIL is interesting. And I think we're just – we're seeing – I was interested to see with Arkansas especially uh, when the big dogs would come in, yeah. when Walmart – or, or Tyson, Tyson, you know, or, 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 or can they, I heard it first. You can't, you can't represent a, a, a sponsor that's currently with the university of Arkansas, but that would seem to defeat the purpose of the NIL <laughs> exactly. for Arkansas. I can't, can't see them enforcing that, but I was thinking with someone like Nick Smith, uh, a top 15 basketball player that you're going to put, you know, your best NIL offer out there. And what I've seen with the NIL especially in Arkansas is a bunch of nickel and diamond. Right. I, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you know, that uh, Devo Davis is hooked up with a car dealer, but the reality is in the past, if you've been a star in a small town, you probably got a car from that car dealer anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so that's, that's, that's not big news, but um, just the majority of them, I've really been surprised that there has not been any, any bigger deals, you know, and uh, especially with the, with Walmart or it, it may be those a lot, company like Walmart, you know, if they go to an Arkansas star, they're such a world company. I mean, they got to go everywhere and get someone, you know? So yeah. I, I don't know if we have a huge advantage just because they're in Northwest Arkansas, because they're such a national company. Yeah. Yeah. It, sh- it shocked me that, of all the student athletes and they gave the split the other day, I read an article. Uh, it was uh, still under a hundred thousand dollars for everybody so far, which I know it's Arkansas, but you, as you were talking about with Walmart, I figured out of all everybody, they would at least hit six figures so far. Yeah. Did you see Nick Smith too on his, his final eight, it was six colleges and two other options. Yeah. The yeah, overseas uh, league and the G league. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And I think you're going to see more of that. And, um, you know, one thing that's happening now is these high school kids, it's nothing to transfer now, especially in central Arkansas. Yeah. I I don't know if it's a great thing, but this year you have, you know, Nick Smith and his quarterback, who's a a good basketball player moving to North Little Rock. Yeah. From Silman Hills. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, um, and then you have the kid who was a standout at central, going to a prep school 
And, you know, it's just, even with the NIL now, these kids are um, in their handlers. Uh, I think they're viewing it almost like a gold mine. And, um, and one thing that helped Arkansas, I think will help them in the future is you see Moses Moody was a one and out that you can go to Arkansas now and you don't have to average 30 points, right? If you have the skills. Uh, you can jump to the NBA and be a lottery pick. That's exactly right. Switch gears to high school football real quick. Uh, talking about seven, a central, uh, to talk a little bit about Central there for a minute with the Bryson Morton heading off to school. But yeah. you have your top four teams in the Central, Bryant, North Little Rock, Cabot, Conway. All four of them have to change, go, go to a different quarterback this year. Does the Central still reign this year, or does the West have a chance? Well, I think the Central still reigns. <laughs> Just they're, they're four great programs, uh, good coaches, and um, I mean, they've just got athletes like Bryant is a small college and they, right. they returned, yeah. they returned their entire offensive line. And when Anthony Lucas took the PA job, I said, he's still going to scrimmage Bryant. He said, yeah, I said, you need to cancel that game. <laughs> physically, it's not a great match for, for PA and they're playing tonight. Yeah, they had a, they are. a lightning delay, but that'll be interesting to see how that comes out. PA backs down to no one. Uh, but I just think the, those schools are so good. Like North Little Rock is, has running backs lined up over there and they have their line back and they're going to go to more of a running attack. And I think it's just so hard sometimes for those schools in Northwest Arkansas to match up athletically with the teams here in um, central Arkansas. And the coaching is so good right now with, and the programs are so good uh, all four of them. And um, it, it'll be interesting. You know, Fayetteville has Satagna and I'm, I'm interested to see him. And I was kind of disappointed for him and the track that he really didn't get to show his stuff. This, I think it was kind of dinged up and it was kind of yeah. an unusual sprint uh, track season. Yeah. And you're talking about Northwest Arkansas and, you know, there are so many people moving into that area. I mean, yes. the, the job I work, I mean, there's people coming from California, but it's not like they're going to all one school. It's Farmington, it's Elkins, it's Pea Ridge. You look at all these schools that, you know, it's like they're going to the smaller schools and, it's almost like you're leveling up the smaller schools. You know, they're going from 2A to 5A, and you're not making the bigger schools in like Harbor and Springdale. They're going outside of the, the NWA area, and I think that has a lot to do with you're not seeing these Northwest Arkansas schools other than Shiloh getting better is because they are going to these smaller programs. When Northwest Arkansas was at its best is when the Springdale uh, had its outstanding teams, but that was a bloated school. I mean, that was a, <laughs> I mean, and, and the reality is, you know, they faced a central team that was a, a recruited team of all the best kids in, in Little Rock. And exactly. Uh, and it, it's just you never get and this is unfortunate. You seldom get a, you know, a, 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 a an organic team, a team from Conway, the kids all in Conway. Uh, good teams attract players And this this recent run by Bryant is a result of Little Rock failing yep. where uh, a lot of parents who are interested in their kids succeeding both academically and athletically are buying apartments in Bryant and sending their kids to Bryant. The demographic of the Bryant sports teams, I don't think they have one white basketball player. Um, they have a, an incredible mix in football of just black and white athletes that, and they didn't have that mix. And, and, and that pipeline, even though they built a school in Southwest Little Rock, it's going to continue because 
it's not going to end until they don't have until they fail to win. If they keep yeah. winning, kids are going to keep still following that way. And, and and you see, and you see the good schools attract. Uh, look at Warren. You know, it's it's no accident that you know all the great Razorback prospects come from Warren and none Nashville. Come from Montes- yeah. None come from Monticello. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Yeah, the schools attract athletes and uh, kids want to play with other good kids. And um, it's, it's, it, 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 and now right now you have a situation in Bryant where they've got the best athletes and they've got great coaching to two. So that's a, that's a dangerous mix. They won three state championships in a row and they'll probably win four. And you can add Greenwood to that list too, because look what they've done to the, you know, Southside and Charleston. I mean, Charleston used to have a, a good football program. Now they're diminished in, you know, Southside's whole athletic program and as a whole, you know, Greenwood just keeps getting better at all the sports. And with the, the, the school districts butting right up against each other, I mean, all it's done is made Greenwood just get better and better. Yeah, well, years ago, Barton had an incredible run. What do you think West Helena was doing at that time? You know, and, yeah. uh, it's to take nothing against Frank against Frank McClellan, but, you know, they the kids wanted to play for Barton. So they got all the good athletes from over there. West Helena decided they want to play football. Uh, things changed. And it's uh, it's just, you know, it's <laughs> it's a reality in the state. You know, the, the good schools attract. And when they start to win, the, it's 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 hard to win a, a championship just with, you know, the, the folks in your town. You know, and, and if you don't have it like a the Springdale had that bloated school and, and I was trying to think of any real organic championship here and McClellan won a championship but, or McClellan played for title and they had, you know, players from all over. And, yep. And Fair had, you know, Cedric Cobb. Uh, yeah, they should have went to Mills. Yeah. Yeah. And I, for Quan and Ty, they should have been with me. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's a, it's a, and it's gone on for years. And uh, that's why I, you know, when I see something like what happened at McClellan with, with Maurice Moody. Right. And the only guy that they got to come from another school had already left McClellan to go to that school and he was coming back. That's right. Because no one wanted to play for them. It was a failure factory. And somehow he got them to back-to-back state title games and almost beat PA. But I thought that was the most genuine uh, championship run where, where he did it with those kids. You know, there was no, there was no outside help. You know, I mean, that, that's, he got some kids off the basketball team. But that's what made that run so spectacular is that no one moved to McClellan to play. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you seldom see, you seldom see, you know, championship teams that are made up like that. Talk a little bit about 5A that you mentioned and just uh, what you talked about earlier with Plasky Academy. Um, is it going to look like the same PA team this year under, under Coach Lucas? Well, I think the same thing. You know, the, the difference you're going to have is, and, you know, Kelly was a different, Kelly's a different guy than Lucas. Right. But, but kids are going to want to play for Anthony Lucas and those are driven kids. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that, but you know, Kelly did, you know, offensively, he's a great mind. And, and, and now you have someone else calling those plays and put, and he put incredible pressure on those quarterbacks that I think made it easy for him on Friday nights. Cause he just, you know, berated them during the week. And, <laughs> he did. And, 
and, and, I, and I don't know if there'll be that same pressure. It, it won't be the exact same, but I think they'll do the same things. And they've got the same coaches there, and, and they took care of all their coaches. And, um, and, and I think they're still, they still got Joe Hyman, and they got a quarter, the quarterbacks back, and um, they're just good. We got a, a neighbor of mine across the street. He's a 230-pound Samoan center, and he's on the freshman team, and he'll be coming out. Wow. So they, no geez. doubt. They just, they just, they just kind of just roll them up one after another, and they've got a great culture over there. And uh, you mentioned Greenwood. Greenwood's the closest thing to Pulaski Academy for, yeah. for, for public school. I mean, except they can recruit. PA can't. <laughs> PA, PA now, if you go to a private school, uh, I, I don't care, even if you're Scotty Thurman's daughter. Scotty Thurman's daughter is one of the uh, top volleyball players in the state. And she was at Parkview, and she she actually transferred for, I thought, legitimate reasons. Parkview had, doesn't have a very good volleyball program, and she's one of the top players in the country. So she went to Little Rock Christian, and she had to sit out a year. Yeah. You know, and, and she's Scotty, Scotty Thurman's daughter. So, I mean, <laughs> that took a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now if you're, I mean, the private schools, everything's going against them because uh, now at the competition rule, and I like the competition rule, you're going to have Little Rock Christian and PA moving up to 6A. Yeah. You have Catholic moving down, you have Parkview moving down. And I think that's good. You know, Shiloh will probably move up too. And um, I think that's good. I think it's uh, get them football on where they, because there is a definite advantage to being a private school. And that's been proven by, look a year ago, you had uh, Harding Academy, Shiloh, PA. Christian and PA. Yeah. We got like 10 teams. We got 10, 12 private schools in four of them playing in the state title games. (laughs) There is an advantage that private schools have, and it's not recruiting. It's the, probably the, the type of kids they have and just the resources they have as far as training and um, uh, just the, the, the cultures that are built at those schools. And I think they got it right with this competitive role, you know, cause you're not going to move every, like the 1.5 factor, you know, you got Subiaco that's probably a two a school playing in four a and they're Episcopal. And then, you know, you got the Conway Christians and, all the newer schools that are automatically bumped up when they've never even filled a football team before. But then you got the Giants like PA and Little Rock Christian yes. and Harding Academy. So I think they finally, in a way, because everybody just throws all the private schools and it goes both both sides of the argument. You know, everybody who's for, you know, PA staying where they're at, you know, like we'll look at all the other private schools. Well, not all the other kids are going to their schools. They're all going to PA and Little Rock Christian in Harding Academy. So it really helps out Shiloh because you got to look at the edge that Shiloh and, and, and Pulaski Academy have on in the d- dynamic that 25, I, I think it's still 25 miles, you know, that you yeah. can sit there and pick. You got all of Northwest Arkansas that you can come pick out of for Shiloh and the same thing with Little Rock and Pulaski Academy. And like you said, before we got onto this topic, winning gets kids to come and they see Shiloh winning. And they see PA on ESPN and, you know, their you know, internet show and, of course, the coach that never punts. So, you know, it draws all these kids to these schools. So I really like that what they're doing with this. Yeah, think about Catholic High, too. I mean, they have been killed by the multiplier. You know, they, they have been just getting drilled in 7A. And now they'll be down in 6A where they belong. And, yeah. uh, you, know, and you know, the thing I hated about the multiplier, and you mentioned it, it was driving teams like Baptist prep and Episcopal collegiate that aren't football centric, you know, out of the game. 
you know, eight-man football saved Episcopal. But uh, I think the domination rule, you've got you to use two. You've got to use schools that have a unique advantage, too, like Junction City, you know, with, with a border um, – Border school doesn't play basketball. So like half their kids are from Louisiana. That's so, right. <laughs> I mean, I went to one game and it was a championship game and they played Desarc and they had like three prospects and, you know, Desarc could hardly get off the line of scrimmage. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And it was, um, it, it, and it's just sad to see that, especially in the, because in the smaller divisions, you don't see as much movement with the players. You know, and, 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 you know, going back to when you had Barton, you had some, but um, generally you don't see as much movement. And uh, it, it's basically that town and their tradition. And um, that, that's why I like the real small classifications. But um, it, it's, it's, it, it, I think they are moving in the right direction, but it took a year where the private schools just dominated to do it. I think we're all going to enjoy Friday night touchdowns this fall. And Sully, I know you got a busy night coming up and busy next couple of months. We greatly appreciate you coming on tonight. All right. Thank you guys. And uh, let's enjoy this football season. Well, that will do it for episode 209 of the Hog Talk podcast for Kevin Bohannon, Steve Sullivan. I'm Porter Hayes, and we'll catch you next week. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks, Sully. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.